We're all in business for a reason. The problem that so many small business owners have is that they go in 10 million different directions, not really sure which way to go. Listen as your team of experts, Jennifer Glass, Daniel McCrane, and Patricia Rezzatillo, go through what you need in your business to really make it stand out and benefit you. Because it's the bottom line that matters. Hello and welcome to another episode of It's the Bottom Line That Matters podcast, where we are dedicated to your success. On our program today, we're going to be talking about investors in a business or in a program. A lot of times we are in a need to be getting investors to help us grow our business. There's a lot of different ways that we can go about doing that. And part of it is really going to depend on what exactly is it that we are ultimately trying to do as we are moving ahead and getting those investors for our business or our particular project. So as I bring Daniel and Patricia in today, let me ask the two of you, as we're looking at how we look at investors, what would be some of the reasons that we may want investors as opposed to using our own money or taking a loan from the bank to help us move forward just to start there. Well, I can start with that one. So uh, first of all, let's say there's definitely nothing wrong with bootstrapping and trying to finance uh, your own startup. Um, So let's start with that. Let's also acknowledge, though, that a lot of entrepreneurs who are starting businesses are not able to come up with all of the capital necessary uh, to get their business up and running in the first place or to get it up and running quickly. Uh, That's the second consideration. Uh, I meet with a lot of entrepreneurs, um, startup businesses, trying to do things on their own. They don't want to take on debt. They don't want to give up equity in their business by working with investors. But what they don't realize is they are also hobbling the growth of their business by trying to do everything themselves. Uh, There is no successful business that has ever been built that was not built as a team. Just the way things work. If you start as a self-employed entrepreneur, very likely you will remain a self-employed entrepreneur until you are ready to start working with a team. Uh, So with that in mind, then you do need to look at how you are going to capitalize your business. Capitalization of your business is very important. So if you're bootstrapping, if you've got a a lump sum that you can throw into the business, then you can get things up and running quickly. You can spend money on things like sales and marketing, uh, production of prototypes of your product, if that's what needs be. Uh, Those kinds of things take capital to get your business running. And then you've really got the two choices. You can uh, go get a loan, which means you have to make sales to be able to pay back the bank. And the bank is going to want regular repayments um, starting immediately. Uh, If you try to pitch to investors, they're going to want a piece of the action. Um, 10%, 20%, just don't give away as much as 50%. Cap it at 49. So you you retain 51% if you're working with investors. 
investors are going to be willing to give you a little bit of slack uh, because they understand you're trying to start a business. They're not going to see a return on their investment right away. Like a bank expects you to begin making monthly payments the month after you sign the paperwork for the loan. Investors are willing to give you some slack, maybe a quarter, maybe an entire year uh, before they expect to see some return on their investment. But they're going to want to see a return on their investment as uh, part of uh, being a part owner of your business. Uh, so the quicker that you can turn that around, the happier your investors will be. Uh, so there's a little bit about the pros and the cons. Why would uh, you choose to capitalize your business through debt or through equity? Uh, there's a few considerations uh, to keep in mind. So Patricia, before you come in with your thoughts, I just want to clarify one thing. And it's really a mindset position instead of anything else. And Daniel, you mentioned earlier, you can spend money on sales, on marketing, <laughs> on building the prototype. And the correct mindset word is actually invest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. There is a big difference because I can spend there money on is. a vacation. I invest money in my business for growth. Yeah. So there's a very big difference. Like if I'm looking at the next shiny squirrel, that may be a spend because I may not know exactly how to use it. Mm -hmm. Investing though is very different. So just that little <laughs> uh, nuance piece for us Absolutely. to think about. Yes. So Patricia, I didn't want to cut you off, but I felt I just had to interject that piece. <laughs> it's a very important point. You know, most of many of us come from being consumers, employees, and we move into self-employment and we're still in that old mindset and it's, you know, spending, spending, spending. And we forget that it's supposed to be investing. So then we get into, oh, well, I need this latte. I need this, you know, whatever it is. And I'm sorry, I don't really think you need the latte. <laughs> Unless you're Daniel and you have to wake up in the morning. But <laughs> the struggle is real. <laughs> are you under the bus? <laughs> right, right. And then I come from, I, I mean, so, so one, there's that. There's investing in my business. And I'm right now, I'm trying to figure out how I can, you know, get, and it's a minuscule amount, $50,000 to put into my business. So then I can actually get it going so that it's actually, you know, a machine and it's up and it's running and it's pumping out money for me. Um, and I'm also in real estate <clears throat> and not that I'm directly investing, but I'm kind of working on it. And certainly in real estate, you know, how do you afford to buy this property, this investment property with your own money? Well, sometimes you can, and many times you can't. So then you have to partner up with somebody who's got the money. You've got to find money somewhere, <clears throat> get a loan, get financing, get all of these, you know, it could be any of those different things. Um, and how does one go about doing that? And a lot of time is spent with real estate and a lot of education goes into you know, how do you get that money? How do you find those investors? 
and it's 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 a very important piece of almost any <laughs> real estate investors. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's an important part of their life, yes, and it's a, it's an important part of their um of their business growth, right? Getting so, that money to do the next step. Without a question, we can certainly look at real estate investors and business investors and other investors as very different animals in terms of where you're going, right? A real estate investor could be somebody who is a W-2 employee right, and is interested in investing in real estate so that they can get rental income, they can get whatever other kind of generational wealth even yeah. uh, through real estate, as opposed to looking at investors and businesses and investors and businesses, don't get me wrong, uh, through equity crowdfunding, there have been many people who have been investors in businesses that are W-2 people as well. Yeah. As an example, I am an associate producer of a TV show, America's Real Deal, that is all about that concept where we are going after the public to invest in businesses. If you think about anyone who invested in Uber, as an example, before they went um, really out there, that investment dramatically increased. And so I love finding those opportunities for me to put a couple of dollars in because I know if they become the next Uber, that's going to be millions or more in value that was returned. But there's yeah. also great risk in terms of where you are. So if you're looking at being the investor, you obviously need to understand what the risk and reward is. But let's not focus on being the investor. Let's focus on looking for the investor. So we know, and if we focus on a business investor, let's put aside the real estate investor for the moment. If we're looking for the business investor, what do we need to be doing how do we need to be looking at positioning our business to allow us to really get the opportunity a legally? And again, we're not forming any attorney client privilege or otherwise <laughs> consult your own appropriate professional, but how do you, or how do we start positioning our business to start taking investors Mm -hmm. And before we talk about the pitch deck and everything else. Yep. Even before we get there, um, Patricia, I'm going to set you up for this because uh, you said something a little bit earlier. Uh, maybe it was in the green room. Maybe it was as we were just starting this. Now I can't remember. Uh, but you said that pitching to investors all comes down to marketing. And so I'm going to set you up here with this and I want you to elaborate on it. Uh, you are essentially selling your business to an investor. That, that literally is what you are doing. You are selling your business to a, a partial investor. And so it's about understanding what they want and what your business can give them. And Patricia, I'm going to let you run with that. <laughs> right. So, it, well, it's, it's a two-part thing. It's marketing. Marketing gets them in the room, whether it's a physical room or a virtual room. Marketing gets them in the room. Salesman, salesmanship, gets the thing sold so what what are you selling them i mean you are selling them a piece of your business but you're selling them on the idea 
that your business has these things in place and it will achieve this thing and it should have this kind of ROI to it and not that you can necessarily guarantee that. Um, and sorry, the cat is distracting me. And do they want to be a part of that? And here's why they should be a part of that. And all of the things that you do to achieve that mm -hmm. is marketing and salesmanship. Right. Right. So really what it comes down to is thinking, trying to put yourself in the shoes of the investor. What does an investor want from your business, which is the same as you would do with your business? Who is your customer of your product or service anyway? What do they want? What are they looking for? And how do you position your business to provide uh, what your customer is looking for? Well, consider an investor to be your customer. What does the investor want? Okay. They want to see a return on investment. They want to be connected uh, with your business. Um, they want to have as much excitement and buy-in and ownership into your business as you do. So if you can create, uh, we talk about storytelling and marketing a lot, right? Yes. If you can connect your business to the mission and have a compelling story that's behind it. What's driving you to start this business? What's behind this? Is there something emotional that you tap into when you start this business? And can you convey that emotion to your potential investors? So think of it from that investor perspective and treat them as if they were your customers. So do the full uh, the workup on an avatar for your investor, just like you would with any other marketing approach. Right, right. And, you know, and that is where it starts. And if you have different segments, that's fine. But you're probably going to treat those segments differently because they have different capacities. They have different needs. They have different desires because they're mm -hmm. a little bit different. And at the same time, understand, just like with customers, when you're doing your marketing, we know some people out there in the marketplace will become your customers, and some of them are not appropriate to be your customers. The same is true of investors. Investors tend to, occasionally, some of them, they tend to acquire an expertise in a certain industry, which would make them a good investor for some businesses and not for others. Just watch Shark Tank. There are some people, sometimes they'll say, you know what? Uh, I have no experience in this area. I'm out. Yeah. You shouldn't invest and in something. And that's a good thing. <laughs> it is. It is. You shouldn't invest in something that you don't know. And uh, you should not pressure the investor to invest with you in something they don't know. No. They will not be helpful to you. Right. Right. Uh, Warren Buffett says, if it's a risk, let's see how it it's a risk because you don't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. If you know what you're doing and you know enough about what you're doing, then it's not a risk. You know, and I mean, an illustration is, well, I consider it a risk. You know, <laughs> some guy on a little motorcycle zipping down the street. Oh my God. You know, I, I, my mother was an emergency room nurse for how many years? She saw more cases of, they called it road rash, you know, uh, for me, it's a risk for this guy. Apparently it's not. So <laughs> he clearly knows more about it than I do. If I was on that bike, I'd be dead. 
So moving beyond the <laughs> horrific emergency room stuff, uh, if we look at just going to the investors, how do we start positioning our pitch deck? Because one of the things that we need before we can get an investor is we have to put information together. So Daniel, you mentioned having the avatar, knowing who we're trying to actually speak with as a potential investor. But if we're looking at even having that conversation, we need something to give them. We're not going to be able to go and say, Daniel, you're going to give me $500,000 now to put in my business. And Daniel's going to turn around and say, <laughs> sure, who do I make the check out to? We'd be so lucky, right? <laughs> we need to have something that people are going to be looking at. So what do we need to have in there? There are a lot of elements that are part of your business plan that can be included in your pitch deck when you're having that conversation with your potential investors. Uh, so first of all, they're going to want to know what your business is all about. So why did you start it? What's the focus? All those things that we just talked about a moment ago, having that compelling story, all of that kind of stuff. Additionally, though, they're going to want to know about your management team. Who's involved in it? What's your experience been? Uh, why are you qualified to run a business? Uh, similar things to what a bank is going to want to see, by the way. Um, they're going to want to know what your sales projections are going to be. Uh, what is their potential return on investment? How soon will they get their money back? Uh, those kinds of things need to be included in your pitch deck. If you have any intellectual property, uh, patents, copyrights, trademarks, anything like that, that will set your business apart and protect it from competition, uh, those are important things to include in a pitch deck. The, those will grab your investor's attention. Really though, it comes down to uh, convincing the investor that you know a thing or two about business, you know how to run a business, you know how to be successful in business. That's what investors want to see matched up with all of your market and your sales uh, analysis and everything so that you know that what you're bringing to market will be successful. Yeah. I'm There's sorry, a lot there, and you definitely you also want to make sure you have a an executive summary for investors because your plan and whatever it is can be fifty to one hundred pages. You want something that's one to three pages that they can look at, get a really high level overview, and go from there. Another thing, and Patricia, before you come back in, another thing that you do want to make sure that is in there is milestones, right? You started your business in 2018, you've grown it, you got your first million in uh, you know, 2019, you had 100,000 customers by 2021, whatever it is that you've been doing in your business is important for it to be in there because the investors are going to want to see the trajectory that the business has been on. You also want to clearly explain away if you've had down years, what happened? 
Did you take a credit for R&D as an example? Did you have a major customer leave you? Explain where that happened so that way the investor knows as opposed to doing their own due diligence later on what happened and then losing the deal because of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The more you can, I I really like how you said, uh, make it an executive summary uh, because it's very true. Um, Jennifer, you could have a, a 30, 50, 100 page business plan but you need to be able to distill that down to just a handful of maybe some PowerPoint slides. Uh, So it really needs to be an executive summary. The more that you can turn everything into charts, graphs, infographics, uh, something like that to get the investor's attention, communicate quickly. Uh, Most investors are only going to give you um, 10, 15 minutes uh, to state your case. And that's probably on the long end. Uh, if you attend some of these uh, pitch events <laughs> that are going on, sometimes all you get is two minutes uh, to state your case and people decide if they want to uh, have a further conversation with you, uh, but that's all you get with them. So the more that you can make that graphical uh, and make it uh, have icons and things like that, <laughs> then it's easier for the investor to make a decision and to to be quick about it. So earlier I was laughing <clears throat> because Jennifer had said about asking Daniel for $500,000. And the thing that came to my mind was Austin Powers and I forget which movie, but he's asking for $100 billion. And everybody laughs at him because they didn't even have that much money on the in, in the planet. So, <laughs> $1 million. And, and the and second one was $100 billion And it's completely out of reach anyway. So, <laughs> but I, I think sometimes we do that. You know, we, we think that we need this much money in order to do a thing. And maybe we don't have the pieces to stack up to that quite yet. So, so one, we have to you know, get the pieces that stack up to it. And two, we have to make sure we're talking to the right people. Mm -hmm. Because there are people that you could say, well, you know, this thing is $100 billion for your investment. And for the right investment and the right people, it'll work. But if you don't have the right pieces and you don't have the right people, potential investors, you know, you may as well be Austin Powers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's also important to be clear, like you were saying, how much you actually need. Here's a really interesting story, and I can't give away specifics of the business or the investor, but I can mention the story. A couple of years ago, I was involved in a pitch for a business that I was partnering up with two partners on. And we presented our pitch to an investor. We were looking for a million dollars. We thought the million dollars was exactly what we needed. This investor who just, you know, a couple of weeks prior to our meeting closed on a $500 million investment. 
right? I mean, he's used to those bigger ones, but he took the meeting as a courtesy. Um, and he said our million dollars was a rounding error. <laughs> a rounding up or down. Error. Up or down. Didn't matter. Okay. You know, he wasn't sure exactly where the number came from other than thin air is what the idea basically was. Yeah. And it makes a difference because when you're presenting to potential investors, they're really going to be looking at that. Daniel, you mentioned Shark Tank as an example earlier, and it doesn't matter if it's Shark Tank, Dragon's Den, or whatever other version of the show um, you're actually looking at because it's different based on the particular country that you're in. But at the end of the day, the investors, they're always asking questions. How did you get to that point? You're coming in, you're valuing the business at this, and it isn't worth anything near that. What are you going to be using the money for? It all has to be defended. And sometimes we say, well, we're basing it on the value of future projections in five years. But five years is not what an investor is going to be giving you an investment for. They're going to be giving you an investment based on right now, on where the business is, not the potential in five years. Now, is it possible if you are going to be guaranteed because a government is going to require you to, your product to be used in a particular situation? Well, yeah, then there's a reason to do that. But what are they going to be doing? The other thing also to keep in mind is also legality risks. In the event of any suits, who is going to be ultimately the biggest fish to fry? Normally, it's going to be the investor because they have even more money than you do. So there's a lot of concerns that you want to be thinking about in that regard on how you do it. The other thing also is if you're a product business, especially if you're making any claims, whether it's nutritional claims, pharmacological claims, have it backed up by some sort of study and not just a study that you do, but a third party study. Mm -hmm. uh, those are all some great suggestions, Jennifer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anything you got, you can back it up with. <laughs> other people who have done similar things, but you're going to add this little twist to it. And so that should make it better this way. Yeah. Right. Build things. a better mousetrap. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So as we look at wrapping up our conversation, we can really deep dive even more into this and maybe we'll come back and revisit this topic later. But as we wrap up our conversation for today, Daniel, closing thoughts, please about approaching investors it's helpful to uh, to look for investors who are going to have a, a connection with your business already um, it, maybe someone has been through a, a similar family situation that has driven you to start your business uh, so you've got a, a shared experience there and you think they would be a good investor to work with you uh, also be open to the idea of different types of investment in your business. It may not always be a monetary investment in your business. Maybe you want to work with someone because uh, they have a fantastic network 
Maybe that's what they bring to the table. They can connect you with lots of people. Uh, maybe you want to work with an investor who brings intellectual capital uh, to your business. They can, they know stuff. Uh, so they can help you grow your business that way as well. There are multiple ways that you can bring investors into the business. So keep that in mind uh, as a consideration as well. It doesn't always have to be monetary capital. And thank you very much for pointing that out. That was one of the things that I meant to mention. So yes, like, what are you looking for? Um, thank you, Patricia. Final thoughts, please. I completely blanked down. Um, I like what Daniel was saying about sometimes it's not necessarily the financial thing. You know, I, I mean, I would call it a partnership or a joint venture or something, maybe not an investor, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it, it's 12 of one and a dozen of the other. Um, for me, it's marketing to make sure that you have the right people in the room and then sales to, to, to make all those pieces line up and close the deal. Thank you. And there's so many different ways that we can skin the cat and know uh, Salem, don't worry, we're not talking about skinning you. Uh, but when it comes down to where we are and what we're trying to do, ultimately, yes, there's so much that we can possibly do with investors. And you can call investors what you need it to be, whether they're financial investors, their partners, what you're bringing people in for. I have been brought into specific businesses because of my relationships. That is the capital that I bring in as an investor into a business. There's a lot of that that does make a difference in terms of where you are and what you're doing and how you move forward from here. But you really need to be clear on what you're looking for and where you want to be, because that's what's going to help you find the right people to be on your team. And that's exactly what it is. It's a team. On that note, this has been another episode of It's the Bottom Line That Matters. And until next time, here's to your success. Thanks so much for listening to another amazing episode of It's the Bottom Line That Matters podcast. We're all about helping the small business community grow and reaching as many people as we can. And the algorithms on the podcast programs love reviews so if you loved what you just heard consider leaving us a review and even if you don't i'm sure you already did but consider sharing our episodes and our podcast with your friends and colleagues sharing is caring and here's to your success thanks so much and have a wonderful day it's the bottom line that matters